Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at FCBC, if you don't know, you're going to find out. This is how we say it. We live. Excellent. Good. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. We Thank God. Listen, let's turn this morning to the Gospel of Mark, just as we will be in a deeper dive in Jesus and TNT. We'll be doing this on Sundays as well. Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 35 through 39. Mark 1, 35 through 39. And here's how it reads. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, by the way. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Amen. Come on, let's pray, beloved. God, we are eternally grateful. Oh, eternally grateful, oh God, for this day. Sometimes, oh God, we take these moments for granted. We act as though tomorrow is a promise or guarantee. But God, right now, with what we have, we want to say thank you for today. Thank you for this moment right now. A moment filled with potential and possibility, but more than that, filled with your love and your grace towards us. And sometimes, oh God, when we pause in the busyness of our days and we are made to wonder, God, how could we make it without you? But you have been faithful, consistently faithful. And for that, oh God, we say thank you. Now, oh God, let your word go to work. And hit the designated targets today, oh God. Somebody's come today need and in need of a word from you. Have your way, oh God. Have your way. And we will make sure we get out of the way so that you can be God all by yourself. In the words that you declare on today, in the collective meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. You are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. And it is in your name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Remain standing. If you will, let me read that passage of Scripture again. Mark 1, 35 through 39 in the NRSV version. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, I'm focused. Come on, turn to the other neighbor and tell him, neighbor, I'm focused. And put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I am focused. I am focused. I'm <laughs> Well, I love FCBC. And I love to hear, let me tell you this, I said it last time. I love to hear all these babies crying. I love when I hear children. Because again, that is always a sign that God still trusts us with the future. And so moms, dads, don't fret if your babies, don't try to keep them quiet. The truth is they may be enjoying the sermon. <laughs> I'm focused. The season was changing. And revolution was actually in the air, but the people did not know. Mark's gospel comes to a very pointed part in the story of Jesus where John the Baptist is arrested and his season of ministry comes to an end. The ending of Mark's season is the beginning of Jesus' season. Sometimes new life begins when old things begin to fade away. John's ministry has now decreased and the ministry of Jesus must now increase. I'm often amazed at people who often say, Pastor, I, I, when is it going to be my season? I have to remind some people that your season is really not in my hands, but what is in your hands is your patience. Your patience for your season. There's some things we pray for, ask God for, and then we are impatient about. And the truth is, patience is key when it comes to waiting for the unfolding of your own particular season or evolution from the past season in your life. Why? Because the last thing you want is to walk into a season unprepared or to walk in at a time that is not designated for you. Be patient with the process of the unfolding of the season that God has for you. Do not fret. If you heard it, it will come to pass. If God spoke it, it will be. You just have to trust that when the season comes, it's your time and it's your turn. John, the end of his work meant the beginning of Jesus's day and the beginning of Jesus's ministry. The scripture says, if you look through that first chapter, it says that when John had died, that Jesus returned home to Galilee. It's interesting that Galilee has multiple meanings, but one of those meanings is revolution. I don't think I really realized that for years, that Galilee meant revolution. Watch this. And Jesus' ministry begins in the place of what? Revolution. He returns to Galilee and he proclaims the good news. And the good news is what? That the kingdom of God has arrived. John was preaching that the kingdom of God was on the way. Jesus says it is here now. 
And the good news, the gospel, is that the kingdom has now arrived. This new season, this new day, this new order, this new kingdom would mean the turning around of what had been. It was God's inbreaking into time and God's new move, next new move, new manifestation of what God was up to. And it was called the good news, the kingdom of God. It meant that God was about to move in a way that would cause some to rejoice and some to feel bad. Well, Peter Gomes put it this way. Somebody's good news is someone else's bad news. And so the good news that the king was here wasn't good for those whose leadership was based on their particular positions that they held, especially within the religious community. It meant the end of leadership that designated control by the empire and the beginning and the outbreak of God's new move. The scripture moves fast if you read Mark. It moves fast. Jesus returns to Galilee. He begins preaching. And then immediately after that, the scripture says that he then calls his first disciples He's walking one day and he sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets and he goes to them. He said, listen, listen, I'm here. But here's the deal. If you come with me, you won't catch fish, but you'll catch people. In other words, you catch fish to eat, you catch fish to live, but you're going to catch people so they may live in the abundance of life connected to the good news, the gospel. He then leaves from Simon and Andrew. Now there are three of them and they come across James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they give the same command, follow me. James and John see their friends, Simon and Andrew, following the carpenter from Galilee. And immediately James and John leave their dad in the boat. Leave them there to go follow the carpenter. I wish I had time this morning because they do not make any haste. They, 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 they are quick to the move, rather. They quickly respond to Jesus' call and they leave what they were doing to pick up what they were not sure of. I hope you can get that. They know in some ways, maybe intuitively, that sometimes to walk into the new, the newness of the moment and the season cannot be experienced if you're still attached to the old. Maybe that's a challenge for some of us in here right now. You want the new season, but you still want to live in the old space. You want the new season, but you still want to live in the old mechanisms and the old ways that designated who you are. But you are committed to the new season, crying for the new season. But you don't want to let go of what you have to grab hold of what you don't yet have. And that becomes critical. I'm convinced for many of us, as we begin to journey through our life, that we get to a point in our life where we're willing to separate ourselves from the things that may have defined us in our past to move to this new ground, higher ground, new day, new season that speaks to our future, not just our present. I hope somebody caught that today, because as much as you want to see God do something new in your life, you may not be willing to separate from the things that God has already done and the spaces God has already created. Somebody said, well, God made this space for me. God did this for me. Yes, but that doesn't mean that that's all that God can do. God has more. You got to believe that. I wake up every day. One, grateful. And I hope you all been working on gratitude journals, but one, grateful. I wake up every day grateful. But then I sit there in almost tiptoe anticipation, waiting for God to do something to blow my mind every day. I expect 
something new to to almost overtake me every day that's what it means waking up with expectation not waking up with simply a desire to repeat the patterns of yesterday rehearse the days from from before but waking up with the expectation that something just somehow today may be the day that God does something unexpected blindsides me with joy that I did not see coming overtakes me with a breakthrough I did not know was on the horizon you got to wake up with expectation and anticipation that every day God can show you new mercies and give you a new reason to rejoice. Here's Jesus, Simon, Andrew, James, John, and they leave where they were and they head to Capernaum and they go into the synagogues and there Jesus begins to do what he was called to do. That is preach the gospel, preach the good news. And as he begins to expound on what this kingdom is and what this good news is, the record says that the people in the synagogue, not the priests, not the leaders, the people were amazed because he spoke as one with authority. In other words, he spoke confidently about what he was saying. And I love what the scripture says, not like the scribes and the others who simply repeat what is written. That means that Jesus was giving them not just what was in the scrolls, but he was giving them new insight, revelation on what God was doing. Everybody can read it even now, but that doesn't mean everybody experiences revelation. There's still some of us who will block revelation to stay with the familiar, who will cut off what God wants to say now especially what God wants to say now in your life makes you uncomfortable with your living. He goes into the synagogues with his companions. He's preaching the good news, the gospel, and the people are astounded. And as he's preaching, a man with an unclean spirit, it says, begins to yell out, what are you doing here? Did you come to get rid of us? Why are you here? Jesus says to the the spirits that possess the man, be quiet. In other words, Jesus didn't really want people to know who he was yet. And in the deep, I wish I had time, in the deep that here it was in the synagogue, there were people who were amazed by him, the religious leaders were threatened by him, and the demons recognized him. All of this is in the move of God. The demons recognized him because they recognized in his presence power was there, power to to undermine their possession of a particular man, right? I've said this in years past, but I'll say it again for those who never heard it. Man, I know you want to be known, but do demons know your name? I mean, I mean, do they tremble when you show up? Do those spirits that are cantankerous and adversarial to your very being, when you show up, do they get a little unnerved? Who, matter of fact, no, who gets nervous when you enter the room? Who gets concerned when you show up? Are you so busy trying to be light that you don't want to be feared by people whose mechanisms and modes of working are seeking to undermine the best of humanity every day? When you show up, some stuff ought to get a little nervous. Well, I hope you get that, beloved. He casts out the demons and the people are more amazed. They say, look, he's not only preaching different. But watch this. Here's the key that I hope you catch. But his words are then matched by his action. Here's how we say it in scripture. Word, Reverend Alicia, and deed added up. Oh my gosh, I've said this a thousand times in FCBC, but I'll say it a thousand and one today. Don't let your words betray your actions or your actions betray your words. 
that when you're doing this work, doing this kind of work, that something ought to be in alignment in your words and your actions. You can't recite the identity statement and then say you don't want to serve. You can't recite the identity statement and then don't want to love beyond the limits of your prejudices. You can't recite the identity statement and then not want to live the life God called you to live. Don't be fraudulent. Don't just repeat it if you don't embody it, embrace it, and become it. You got to be willing to live, love, and serve every day of your life. And not just in church, but everywhere you go, you embody the essence of who you are called to be. Now, I'm going to move quickly. He leaves the synagogue, makes his way to Simon and Andrew's house. And there, Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jesus enters in to the house and he sees that she's sick. And the scripture says that he simply goes by her bed and lifts her up. And the fever goes. Simon now sees his mother-in-law better in Jesus's presence. That's part two to what I said earlier. Demons ought to be afraid, but people who are broken ought to feel something different when you enter. That hope is on the agenda. When was the last time you entered a space and people felt hopeful because you were there? You showed up and they felt that all was better in the universe because you were present. He goes there and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And here's the thing that happens then. The word gets out. It says in the scripture that when the sun set and darkness crept in, that people brought all who were sick and possessed to be healed by Jesus. It didn't say he healed all of them. It's in the text. It said he healed and cured many of them. Everyone was not healed. And everyone was not cured. That means that on that day, some people went home happy and some people didn't. But watch what Jesus does. And here's where I want to go today and then we'll be finished. After the people who were healed leave, after the people who were cured leave, early in the morning while everybody was asleep, in the darkness of the morning, Jesus leaves to be by himself. He leaves in what was a very powerful time because it was a manifestation of the presence and power of God. What he had done in the synagogue with the unclean spirit was one thing, but it's outside of Simon's house, many were healed. Many were cured. You'd have thought that he would have continued on with the work, but early that next day, while it was still dark, Jesus leaves. I'm convinced that he leaves because something felt off. You might say, what, what feels off? I mean, people were healed and people were cured. What could have felt off? Why would Jesus feel the need to disappear to the point where it was Simon who said, we couldn't find you. They were hunting for him and could not find him. Why would he just leave the scene? I think, and here's what I want to leave you with today, one of the things, I think, and I'm convinced that Jesus felt the potential for the derailment of the movement, the ministry, the assignment, and the dream. Say it again. The potential for derailment of the movement, the ministry, the assignment, and the dream. What do you mean derailment? Hold on. I mean people were healed. 
and people were cured. But what if that was not why he came? When he begins this announcement of the ministry back in the earlier verses of chapter 1 of Mark, he says that he came to preach the good news that the kingdom of God was here. That's why he came. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, those of you who know the Gospels know that further on down the road, Jesus will critique people who want to see signs, who want to see miracles. Here's what Jesus says. Miracles are for those who have no faith. The need to see them are for those who have no faith, because if you have faith, you don't need to see anything. You just believe. And if things begin to happen, that's the overflow of your faith. But it's not a necessity for you to believe. He came to preach. I know this may strike some of you as strange, but it's in the book. This ain't Pastor Mike. He leaves. and I'm convinced he leaves because he feels in some ways that maybe this dream, this hope, this kingdom could get derailed if he gets sidetracked by the needs. Watch this going to sound strange. By how people want to make their issues his emergency. I, 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 hope you, I hope you get that. Jesus felt like, I'm convinced that this grand dream of God could get off track if he doesn't stay focused. And so he can't sleep. He gets up in the middle of the morning and goes by himself to talk to God. Here's what I've discovered in my journey. Dreams are not what you see in your sleep. Dreams are the things that won't let you sleep. That passion, that thing you've been harboring in your heart that you want to do that you can't stop thinking about. That's the driving force behind what you do in many ways. That's the thing you hold on to. It is the guide for your own life. It is connected to your calling, to your assignment, to the work you do. And sometimes it keeps you awake. Have you ever been kept awake because of the good dreams in your life? And felt like you couldn't stop until it came to fruition. You just wanted to work it, keep going at it because you needed to see it come alive. You thought about it all the time. And those things you think about all the time connected to your assignment, calling, and even dream. Maybe the very thing that God has given you the gifts to accomplish already. And they won't let you sleep. So Jesus disappears in a moment when his assignment could have gotten derailed. What do you mean? Well, Sometimes you do have to get away. I just came back from sabbatical. I sure did. Every now and again, you got to get away. You got to stop. You got to disappear. I know it's hard in this age of social media and cell phones and, and technology. It's hard to get off the grid. But every now and again, you have to get off the grid. You need to disappear. Why? Can I give you this? And then I'll be still soon. Here it is. You can't always be so accessible to everybody. I miss the days. I miss the days where you could take the phone off the hook. I was trying to reach you. I don't know what happened. I miss the days when everybody could not just reach you and find you. Let me go back. I miss the days when you weren't always trying to be reached and found and seen and heard and noticed. 
You can't always be accessible to everybody. And here's the thing. You have to know when to unplug, to detach, to disconnect, to really get off the grid. Why? Because you have to make yourself a priority. And there will be people who have a problem with you disappearing, but their problems with your decision is not your burden to bear. Well, I hope some of y'all get this today. I'm going to say it one more time. If you feel the need to disconnect and unplug, get off the grid, not be so accessible, make the decision for you. Maybe it's a mental decision, an emotional decision, a spiritual decision, a physical decision. But don't be afraid to not be as accessible as you are right now. And if people have a problem with your not wanting to be accessible, that is not your burden to bear. And when they try to make it your problem, remind them, that's not my issue. That's your problem. Because I'm taking care of myself. I'm looking out for me. I'm making sure I'm okay. I'm taking some self-care time. I'm taking some time away, some time off. I want my mind to heal, my spirit to heal, my body to heal. I got to look out for me because here's what I learned. That if you don't look out for you, don't expect anybody else to look out for you. Tell somebody, that's not my problem. Now, that's your problem. If you mad because I ain't around, that's your problem. If you mad because I ain't show up, that's your problem. If you mad because you can't reach me, that's your problem. I got to tune in. And sometimes tuning in means tuning some other spaces. But more than that, I'm going to go back to this again. Maybe it means tuning into you and tuning out from people, again, who try to make their issues your priority. You know people like that who want to make their issues your priority? Get mad if you don't drop everything for them. Get, get mad if you don't come immediately when they call. Get mad when you don't show up. Actually say things like, you let me down. Yeah, well, okay, I can handle letting you down, but I can't handle letting myself down. And sometimes some folk going to be let down when I'm trying to pick myself up. There's some folk going to be mad, but I'm taking care of me. Here's what I also learned. This is a deep part. If Jesus disappeared because he sensed the derailment because of the miracles, it's possible that your assignment, your dream, your ministry, your work, your calling can be derailed for good things. Hope you catch that. All the things that could derail your progress are not always bad. This is when it gets hard. I mean, you can't say people being healed is a bad thing. You can't say people being cured is a bad thing. But it can become a bad thing if it takes you off the track of your assignment. Oh, okay. That didn't hit some of y'all the way. What if you keep the door open for derailment because you don't really want to stick to the assignment? What if you use the good things that show up that take you off track to be the excuse you use while you can't get back to the assignment? Oh, okay. That means you justify not doing what you were called to do by doing some other good things, even if the good things were not what you were supposed to be doing. But then you spiritualize and say, this is the good stuff. This is not because it's not bad work you're doing, but it can become bad. I'll say it again. If it's taking you off of the focus of the assignment you've been given in your life. That's why you got to be strong when those moments come. 
Because there'll always be people who'll be pulling on you and trying to get you to do this and do that and go ahead and go there. And all the things they want you to do are not bad. They're actually good. The problem is that you can good your way out of your own breakthrough. That becomes the issue. So one, let's go back again. You can't always be so accessible to everybody. Two, some of the derailments that happen in our lives are actually because of some good things. And you got to be careful because you can actually miss and fall short of the assignment you've been given doing some very good things. But you got to stay what? Focused. You got to stay focused on the assignment and focused on the work. And when you attach discipline and intention, you become even more focused. And here's that. If there are folk who can't handle your accessibility and they can't handle your disconnection, they surely can't handle your focus. Oh, my gosh. Here it is. If there are people who can't handle your focus, then blur them out your vision. You missed that. You, you missed that. I'm trying to be nice this morning. But there are folk who can't handle your focus. Blur them out of your vision. You got to learn how to let them fade to the background and you push up to the foreground. Isn't it sad when everybody else around you happy, but you miserable? Everybody else around you is happy by what you do except you. When will you take time and pause and start looking out for you? Focus. The most urgent thing for other people is not always the most important. So you have to be focused. When Jesus goes away and Simon and the others are finding him, and the scriptures they were hunting for him, when they find Jesus, they go like this. Man, everybody been looking for you. Where you been? Here's one thing I learned. This is a sidebar. No, he don't even answer them. Because everybody's questions ain't worthy of an answer. This is a tough sermon for some people. They're like, where you been? He don't even answer. He said, listen, we got things to do and places to go. See, what's what he said? This is the key to the understanding. He says, I came to preach the gospel. That's why I came. We need to go to all the other towns in this region so I can preach the gospel. That is why I came. That is my priority, to preach the gospel. People forget sometimes. They'll say, well, you know what? Well, he did this X, but his assignment was to preach a new day, a new beginning, a new season. The kingdom of God was here, and the people had never heard that before. And his responsibility was to teach them, talk to them about this kingdom. That was his focus. I read somewhere that no one's life is ever all balanced. You have to make a conscious decision to choose your priorities every day. Every day you have to make a decision to choose your priorities so that your daily assignments don't get derailed. How many times have you gotten up in the morning with a plan for the day and it got completely derailed because somebody called or somebody texted or somebody asked you to come here or asked you to show up there and all the things you want to do didn't get done. By the end of the day, you sat there mad with yourself. Everybody else happy with you showing up, but you didn't do the things you needed to set aside to do. Well, I know I'm talking to somebody today. And then you go to bed that night saying, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get this done. Then you wake up in the morning, a text comes through, another call comes through and you find and pretty soon, Months pass and you don't get to the things you felt called to do. Year can pass and you don't get to the things you're called to do. 
And here's the thing. The things that derailed you are actually good things. You help this person do this, and you help these people do that, and you help this person do this. And all the while, while you were helping everybody else, you are off from the assignment you've been called to do. Stay focused. And if you tell me right now, Pastor Mike, that's good. I don't know what my priorities are, though. That all sounds good, but I don't know what the priorities are. Here it is. If you're confused about what priorities to choose, here's the one. Choose you. No, this is not selfish. This is not selfish at all. Choose you. Choose you. I'm going to say it again. Choose you. When was the last time you chose you? And this may not be for everybody because somebody just said every day. So God bless you. I'm talking to the other folk who don't know how to choose them, themselves. Here's what you need to do. Here's a rule of thumb and then we out. For real, for real. Right? Here's what you got to learn. Those people, let me see by show of hands. Who are the people who have a hard time choosing themselves? Really? Don't lie. Don't lie. See, thank you for being honest. Here's what you need to learn how to do. Learn this. Learn to starve your distractions and feed your focus. Oh, I hope I'm going to say it again. Say it again. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. I'm going to say it one more time. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. Why? Because your focus determines your reality. You ought to wake up every morning with a relentless desire to accomplish what you have set out as a priority for that day. And it doesn't matter what shows up, who shows up, how they show up. Stay intentional and deliberate about the choice you made when you got up in the morning. Oh, my bad. That means you actually have to choose priorities every day. It's not just about getting up and moving. No, get up and move with purpose and intention. First, say, God, thank you. Because nothing you plan to do could ever get done if you didn't have life to get it done. God, thank you that I will. Let me tell you something. I used to think it was churchy, but boy, the seasoned saints knew how to move forward in the day. They knew how to be like, God, you woke me up this morning. That was my grandmother. Beginning every morning, at least, she would go down there and be in the living room on her knees and be resting on the little ottoman in the living room. And she would start praying. And first thing, God, thank you. Oh, my God, for waking me up this morning. And I know it's real churchy, but it was something about it. I didn't understand little boy starting me on my way. I didn't know what that meant until I had to start on my way and figured it out. Then she would all go down here, put food on my table, clothes on my back, a roof over my head. God, thank you. Wake up every day grateful and thankful for what God has done in your life. God. Thank you. I want to start this day focused, focused on my dreams and focused on my assignment and focused on my calling and focused on what you put before me. God, thank you for allowing me to see this day. And guess what? With this day that I have, I'll make sure that I don't miss the fullness of this day trying to please everybody else. And then feeling empty at the end of the day. I am Focused. In fact, look at your name and tell them, neighbor, I am focused. I am so focused that I'm not worried about who gets mad at me after today. 
I'm so focused that I will plan intentional days every week to stop making myself so accessible, especially to people who don't appreciate me in the first place. I'm so focused that I'm going to make sure that I don't let other people's emergency become my priority. That means I ain't going to answer every text. I ain't going to answer every call because I am focused. I had somebody tell me the other day, <laughs> they said, man, I said, I text you three times. You didn't respond. I was like, I know. And? I mean, I'm good with it. And if you're not good with it, guess what? That's your problem. Didn't tell me, that's rude. I said, that ain't rude. That's called taking care of my mental well-being. That's my own health. Whatever God has placed before you every day, be focused. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. There's some of us right now who are, who are trying to see our dreams come alive. And yet we get so easily distracted we make excuses for, for prioritizing everything else except ourselves. And then what happens when we don't prioritize ourselves and choose ourselves, then we get bitter and angry and mean. And then people start asking, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? And what they don't realize, you spent so much time making everything else a priority that you forgot about you. And again, again, I understand it because you can actually be distracted by some good things. Really? And they're not bad things, they're good things, but in the midst of the good things, make sure the one of the good things is you and what God has called you to do. And if you're not focused, get focused. And when you get focused, stay focused. You know how you do that? With engaging daily habits. You wake up every morning, before you do a thing, you just simply... And if you can't say anything, this morning I was laying in the bed, the alarm went off. And I hit the snooze button. You know, you could, you could be sleeping, still could hit the snooze. You could find the snooze button on your phone. You could find it. You'd be eyes closed. Be... And then I was about to turn the TV on. And it was almost instinctively, all of a sudden I just started lifting my hands. I didn't say a word. Didn't need to say nothing. I was in the house by myself. But in my heart, when I lifted my hands, I said, God, thank you. Thank you. Before I came to worship, I had worship. I start every day, no matter how bad the day was before, with a deep sense of gratitude to God. And then I try to get focused on what is in front of me that day and stay to it. Now, it doesn't mean you can avoid every distraction that comes. Just don't keep feeding them all the time. Every now and again, you got to pause. Make yourself a priority and choose you. Always remembering that everyone's emergency is not your priority. You can't be all things to all people and nothing for yourself.
I'm focused. On what? Living the life I was created to live. And true to that. Come on, beloved, stand on your feet today. Yeah. I want us to pray. And don't worry, a time is soon coming where we're going to be praying back down at these steps right here. But I want you to hold in your spirit now. I don't know who you are, what it is, but, but that, that dream you've been holding on to. Somebody need to hear this. Hold in your spirit that dream. The one that has not come to pass because you know that you've allowed yourself to be distracted. Hold it in your spirit right now. Whatever that thing is, that deep calling that's been on you, that, that pull, that, that thing that hasn't allows you to sleep, you can't stop thinking about it because it hasn't come to pass yet. Just hold it in your spirit now. Because until you get focused, it's just going to be a good idea. And how many of us know about good ideas that never come to pass? So right now as we pray, don't say, God, help me get my dreams. Help me reach my goal. No. God, remind me that I'm already strong enough to stay focused. You can do it. You've done it in so many other things. You just got mad at yourself because you can't do it to the things you really want to see come to pass. You can do it. Get that focus. Choose you when the time comes. Disconnect and stop being so accessible. Because how can you focus when you're chasing everything, running around everywhere, trying to do everything? Be at ease and at peace with where you are right now. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for this reminder today that I can, I can stay focused on the goal, the dream, the assignment, the call, the ministry you've called me to. that I, I can stay focused. And for some, God, thank you for reminding me that I need to be focused. Because God, sometimes we get just tired of talking about the dream. We have to see that it comes to pass. And God, again, thank you for the reminder that we can't be everywhere for everybody. That we should not harbor any guilt for taking time off for ourselves the truth is that a lot of people who are sick today because they never took time for themselves. So, God, we want to we we contribute to our own mental, spiritual, physical, emotional well-being. And that means to be focused on the things that feed us, that pour into us. But most of all, God, thank you for the little push today. Because somebody needed this push. Somebody needed this push, oh, God. And be reminded that they can 
Remain true to what you've called them to do. Not be concerned with who's upset because they're not where other people think they should be or not doing what other people think they should be doing, but they're going to stay true to who you've called them to be and the assignment you place before them. God, thank you. Thank you. We honor you, God. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.